So it's just listen to the people who are already buying from you. They're the ones that will then continue to get people to be involved in your business because they'll be out there spreading the positive news for you. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. This is an awesome episode with a brilliant guest because throughout March, we're celebrating B Corp Month, bringing you a set of episodes that will hopefully help you work out why e-commerce brands become B Corps and if it's something that's right for your business. The other three episodes this month are with e-commerce brands themselves who are either already B Corp or will be very soon. And in this episode, my guest is a specialist in helping businesses become B Corps. So we're getting really into the nitty gritty of what it's all about and how to go about doing it. And I will be asking some brilliant questions provided by you, our listeners and members of my e-commerce club. If you're not yet in the club, ecmp.info forward slash club and get your application in. It's free. Come and join me. It'll be fun. Now, those questions have been absolutely brilliant. I'm trying to name check as many of you as possible, but thank you so much for giving me them because it really gave us a couple of interesting angles I wouldn't have come up with myself. So I really appreciate it. We will be talking through why it's worth it. We'll be talking through what happens after you've successfully become a B Corp. Is it something that you continue doing? How does it function within your business? What does it cost? Does size matter? We'll be covering as well. So what size business should you be? And we'll also be talking about how to go about becoming a B Corp and when in your business journey it's right to do it. So loads of great stuff coming up. Plus some brilliant top tips. Yes, we're doing the top tips round in this one too. And you'll get my own take on this episode if you listen to the end. And you'll also get some help on your own B Corp journey if you want to undertake it. So make sure you listen right to the end. Do you have stock in your warehouse you desperately need to turn back into cash? Do you want to know how you can sell more stock at full price? Do you want to leverage your stock to improve your profits, cash flow and environmental impact? Then it's time to get your free ticket to our brand new virtual event. This time we're tackling the problem of overstocks, both how to avoid them and how to clear them. Just use our short link ecmp.info forward slash summit to get your free ticket. And to answer the number one most asked question, will replays be available, Chloe? Why, yes, replays will be available to everyone who has signed up. So sign up and then you can watch at your convenience. Just use our short link ecmp.info forward slash summit to get your free ticket. That's ecmp, short for e-commerce master plan, dot info forward slash summit to get your free ticket today. And now to introduce today's guest expert, Hannah Cox. Everything Hannah does is about helping businesses increase their impact and income by implementing sustainable strategies, policies and frameworks, of which B Corp is one option. She's the founder of sustainability impact agency Better Not Stop, head of membership at the Better Business Network, and earlier this year ran the super impressive Better Business Summit. Hello, Hannah. Hello, Chloe. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's awesome to have someone with your experience here to help us all understand the B Corp process that little bit better. And I've got a stack of questions coming up that have been submitted by the listeners. 
But before we get into that, how did you end up working in sustainability? Because it, it's not quite where your career started, is it? No, it isn't. And actually, my career started, believe it or not, teaching scuba diving in Malaysia through an add on gum tree. But we'll get into that another another time. The podcast <laughs> is not long enough. Uh, and shout out to anyone who's listening who remembers when gum tree was the source of all information in London. <laughs> but I worked in the music industry for most of my 20s, which was a lot of fun but I wouldn't say particularly fulfilling from a purpose-driven perspective. So in my 30s, I was really keen to find something that was a bit more purpose-driven. I had travelled a lot. I do travel a lot. It's one of my favourite things to do. And I took a trip to Bhutan uh, overland from the UK to uh, discover and document what makes people happy. It was really important to me as a sort of like life-seeking expedition I went on. Through my research on that trip, I noticed uh, fulfilment comes for people from two things, the work that they do and the relationships that they have. So when I came back to the UK, I was really convinced that working in something purpose-driven was for me. So I just um, focused on learning about things that interested me and it led me to running my own impact agency. So we often have businesses on who are kind of mission-driven. You're kind of personally mission-driven, but you did a massive epic trip to discover how to work out what your mission should be to then, I think you're possibly the best well thought through career person we've ever had on. Um, I wouldn't particularly, I mean, I'll take that, but I wouldn't particularly say it was. I think I was more just trying out things. And And I also found that I was doing a lot of things in my personal life that didn't quite align with my professional life. So while I was making more sustainable choices personally, I wasn't quite aligning that with my work. And I wanted to make sure they more matched up and it just led me to where I am today. I wanted my business to become a B Corp. And then that led me to helping other businesses become a B Corp as well. Which brings us on nicely to the questions. As I said, we have had a ton of questions submitted by listeners. So I've tried to summarise them down. Um, Guys, if you've given me a question for this, I'm going to try and name check you, but I reserve the right to get overly excited about what we're talking about and forget to name check you. (laughs) In which case, I will try and do it when we get to the end. So Chloe's caveat out the way the biggest thing we got questions about is, is it worth it? So Simon from Wharton from Push On said, does the market really demand B Corp? What's the motivation? We have Roger Knight saying, how do customers or clients respond to it? So is it worth becoming a B Corp? Uh, we had the marvellously uh, sceptical answer, I think, possibly from Aaron Alpeter from Lululemon Studio, who said, I love what a B Corp stands for, but I'm curious on if there's an actual ROI or how people may quantify that. Have you seen anything to that effect? So let's start off with it. What is the business benefit? What's the ROI of becoming a B Corp beyond the mission and and that element of it? That's a really good question. And actually, when I started working in the space, one of the frustrations for me was while I knew from a sort of moral gut feeling it was the right thing to do, there wasn't much data around how it could be of a commercially viable uh, mission for your business. However, in uh, January last year, a UK B Corp performance report came out where the data was gathered about how UK B Corps were performing against the national average. UK B Corps not only have a better employee retention, they also had faster growth in turnover. It found that having a B Corp didn't affect negatively uh, any looking for investment or anything like that so that legal consideration was actually didn't put off investors or anything like that it found that they had better brand loyalty 
So when we're talking about kind of the commercial advantage, well, uh, they were faster to grow their turnover. They had better employee retention. Um, they had better brand loyalty, so therefore had a better relationship with their customers. That's all data that's been proved in that report, which is, uh, you know, publicly available. I think also there is so much that goes on when you go through that assessment process that forces you as a business to put systems and processes in place within your organisation that actually just make it a more robust organisation to work with and for and makes you ask questions yourself about that long term thinking about how what type of business you want to run and how you want to run it. So while it looks like just a logo, there's a lot of work that goes into getting you to that stage of the logo. So there is a business case for it as well as like a purpose driven case as well. So it's kind of like at the level above, I think I would guess, you know, if I was asked this question, I'd be like, yeah, we know our customers want us to do it or something like that. But actually, it's a level above that. It's not just the the marketing side of it. It's fundamentally the data shows you're going to become a better business. And you mentioned about it's not just a logo there, which brings us to a question we had from Monica Sharma Patanika. And sorry, if Monica, if I've got your surname wrong, truly embarrassing because you've been a guest on the podcast before. So I should know how to say it. So sorry. She said, we've got a lot of certificates that sometimes feel like just that. What makes B Corp different? I mean, I find sometimes I'm looking at a sustainable company's website and there's 20 odd there seems like there to be all the logos in the world through recording the content for this month it does feel like b corp is a higher level it's in many ways but what would you say to someone who's going which which certificate should i go for and what makes b corp better I think it's stopping to look at B Corp as a certification, but more looking at it as a framework on which to base your business model. I also would say that B Corp is probably quite individual in its way that it looks at all industries and all sectors can become a B Corp. So if you're a for-profit organisation, you can become a B Corp. What's interesting about that is often certifications and accreditations are industry-specific or sector-specific, which means that it's quite siloed in in kind of the changes. The fact that B Corp is across industries and sectors means not only by becoming a B Corp, you're starting to network and communicate with businesses, perhaps in different sectors and different industries that you could collaborate with, but also learn things they're doing in their sector that might start working in your sector. So there's that kind of community aspect to becoming a B Corp. But there's also the B Corp framework looks at different areas of your business. So often accreditations might just look at your operations or your marketing, but the B Corp accreditation or certification, whatever you want to call it, is actually looking at how do you run your business holistically as a whole. So I'd say that probably makes it stand out in its approach to uh, certification or accreditation. Got you, I love that. So it's a framework, it's adaptable, it's all-encompassing, and there's the whole community aspect to it too, which brings us on nicely to some... Some some more questions we've had around what happens after application, which you've been kind of touching on, but we haven't made fully clear yet. We had one question, uh, which was, how do they ensure that people adhere to the rules of being a B Corp? So, you know, who's wielding the big stick at me, basically, that question. And then the other one is, I'd love to know how often they'll check in once qualified to keep me accountable. If I were to do all the work and pay the fee, I'd love to know that I could get advice on how to keep those high standards or improve as I go. So what's the ongoing benefit of 
of going through the B Corp process. Okay, so probably this would be a good stage for me to just explain how that process works to mm. businesses that want to become certified. So at the moment, there is a, it's called the B Impact Assessment, which is an assessment that's been created by B Lab, which is a non-profit organisation that created the assessment. That assessment is available for free online. You don't need a B leader or a consultant to help you access that. You can access that assessment totally free. It's a free tool you can use in your business. You put in your industry, your sector, how many employees you have within your organisation, and B-Lab almost like spits out an assessment that will ask you uh, specific questions for that type of business. At the moment, it's siloed into five categories. Governance, looking at how you make strategic decisions. Customers, how you look after your customers. Community, what your social impact is as a business. Environment, your environmental impact. And workers, which is how do you look after your employees. There is no minimum score in each of these sections, but there is an overall score expectation of 80 points. You can go on the B Corp directory and you can look up other businesses in your industry and sector and see kind of what the mean average score of other businesses in your sector are getting. You'll need to get a score of 80 points to basically submit your assessment. On average, UK businesses come out at around 30 to 40 points when they fill in the assessment for the first time. So it's about creating a strategy and a roadmap to become B Corp compliant. The second thing you need to do in the UK is make a legal change to your business. It doesn't stop you becoming a limited company. You just say in your articles of association that you're working in the interest of the stakeholders as well as the shareholders. There's a lot around that on the Better Business Act website if you want to research that. So it's something your shareholders need to be on board with. Once you submit your application, so let's say you've done the, you've done the assessment, you've got 80 points, you submit your application. There is a £250 plus VAT fee to B-Lab at that point when you submit your application. You will then go in an application queue. At the moment, you'll be looking at three to four months wait. An analyst will be assigned to you. They will ask you to evidence a certain amount of that assessment to them, which you to evidence your questions. They then review that. You have a meeting with them. They will agree on what your score is as a B Corp. And then at that point, you will certify. You pay your annual certification fee, which is based on your turnover. Again, that fee is available, is transparently available in the B-Lab website. You will be provided a 40% equity discount if you're from an underrepresented population, uh, which includes uh, women founders uh, and, and various other underrepresented um, founders and business types. And then every single year, you pay your certification fee. After three years, you have to recertify. So after three years, you'll have to go through that assessment process again and you'll have to go through the analyst uh, process again as well. Very comprehensive answer there, Hannah. I'm loving that. And just for our international listeners, this is global as well. Some of those UK bits will, will alter a bit for your country, but you go to your, your local B-Lab site and you will find out what to do. If you go on the B-Lab website and you say what, um, where you're from, whether that's US-based and also that will be state-based because I know like in the US you can become benefit corporations in some states and in other states you can't. But depending on where you are in the world, it will tell you what legal consideration will need to be made. So it's the same 80 points for everybody. The legal change will be dependent on your country. Again, I was given the UK example, but uh, it would depend where you are in the US or also what country you're based in as well. But very easy to find on the B-Lab website. So the, the quick answer to our people asking about what happens post-application is that until three years, no one's going to check in on you. But we know from 
the inter- other interviews in this this series that, and from what you've already been saying, Hannah, that this this becomes an all-encompassing framework for driving your business. So it's more than just ticking 80 boxes, getting the points, paying your 250 quid and the fee and, and, and putting the logo on your website. It's a way of managing and, and growing and running your business for the, for the brands that make the most out of it. Exactly. So there is an annual impact report you're expected to create as a, as a B Corp business. So there is that every year you're asked to provide an impact report, which is essentially like a sustainability report of you saying this is what we're doing in each of the areas of the assessment. The B lab standards are changing. So at the end of this year, those five standards I've just discussed are increasing to 10 standards and they will have a minimum expectation in each of those standards, which for a lot of people that might be listening to the podcast who have not decided to be a B Corp because they're like, well, this business has gone through and I don't think, you know, this is lax in the standards process. B Lab have acknowledged there are some gaps because there are always going to be gaps if you're trying to encompass every industry and every sector. So B Lab will be kind of increasing the standards and the expectations at the end of this year. So this is probably your last chance to go through in the next, you know, 12 months on that five standards that I've discussed. And they'll increase to increase the expectations there as well. But that's presumably only a good thing for those who really care about being a B Corp because it just makes makes the process better for your business and it makes the the entry level more accurate, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, and it's the idea of Kaizen, you know, that continuous improvement within your organisation, not just looking at that from a commercial perspective of how much money are you making, but how are you becoming a better em- employer? How are you becoming a better part of your community? How are you being better for the planet? So lots to think about when you're making business decisions. Well, let's go on to our next section of questions, which I've titled, Does Size Matter? Somewhat provocatively. Um, <laughs> and this has come in in various forms from three different people, from Monica, from Noemi, and from our joint friend Adam Bastock from Small 99 and essentially is I mean I wasn't aware of this until I asked for these questions but B Corp often tends to be for bigger businesses rather than smaller businesses apparently does it work for everyone is there a size of business you need to get to before you bother is there a size of business where you shouldn't bother is it for businesses of all sizes I guess is what I'm trying to ask you Hannah So there's a couple of things for people on listening to the podcast to consider. So firstly is what type of business do you want to be creating? If you want to create an impactful business, B Corp provides you a good framework. It is not, as I said, the perfect framework. I'm not sat here saying everything about the B Corp process is perfect. I'm saying it gives you a really good guide on the things you should be focusing on as a business owner, even if you use the framework and you're not ready to become a B Corp, or you don't even want to submit your assessment, you can you can use that online tool to basically identify areas in your business where you want to find solutions. In regards to how big do you need to be? Well, I've helped businesses through the process who are solo white male founders, which I guess is, is one that offers no kind of equity discount at all. You know, but there's so I've put businesses through who are solo founders, but they've got a really clear mission, vision and purpose in their business so that they've, they've been able to hit that B Corp points, as it were. There's a consideration that if you have no staff, so if you 
for example, if you're the founder of the business and you're the only person on the payroll, you won't be given the workers section of the assessment. What that means is there's an ability to kind of increase your points in the other sections, but it does mean it's slightly harder to get through because if you don't have any workers to provide good benefits to, you can't kind of get benefits in, in that area of your business. But in regards to you know, any size business. Yes, I've worked with businesses of all sizes to get through the process. In fact, actually, when you're a smaller, agile business, it's probably easier because you're able to make those changes in your business quicker than if you're an organisation with a thousand members of staff and actually implementing a new policy system or process is actually going to take a lot longer and have a lot more financial considerations than if you're a small team of three or four. So I'd say you can at any size. I'd also say that when I originally went through my B Corp process as a business, it was just me and a part-time employee in my company. And we went through as an outstanding score because the purpose, mission, vision and values of our business were so clear and and concise when we put that application in. Got you. Lots of great advice now I'm not even going to attempt to try and summarize that Hannah because you went through it in such great detail I'm only going to confuse people um we had a, a, a kind of a related question from Kira Curtis who asked when is it best to start the process I imagine it takes a long time but do you do internal research to find the good and the bad then take it to a consultant or will they do that work anyway do you need a consultant how do you how do you and when do you start? You know, is it the start of your year? Is it when you feel like it? Is it January? You know, quite a bit in there. But but when do we start with this process? I think it's a mindset thing. Sustainability should not be a pillar within your business. Like today, I'm going to think about my finances, then my sales and marketing, then my operations, then look after my workers. It should be something you're considering as like a foundational element of how you're approaching business as a business owner so as I said the assessment's free to use you could go on there if you're the business owner and you know how your business runs you could probably sit there with a cup of tea and go through that assessment as a first run in an hour or two it's most of the assessment is multiple choice and has very quick ways to answer the reason you might want to use a consultant or a B leader so if someone calls themselves a B leader and they're on the B leaders website it means they've been trained by B lab to help businesses through the process. I am a B leader, but there are business uh, sustainability consultants or B Corp consultants that may not have actually got that qualification, but they have helped businesses through the process. So they're just as, you know, potentially in some cases more qualified than some B leaders to help businesses through the process. Again, it's kind of looking at time and resource and how your business runs in the same way you might outsource your social media management, you might outsource your bookkeeping, you might outsource the support you want on guiding you into the right right way to become a B Corp. Certainly for me, I say it's like having an MOT on your car. I'm like a mechanic coming in, understanding how your business works and identifying the areas where I can really help you quite quickly, where you can be most impactful, because that's where my area of knowledge comes from. And for your business, it might make more sense to outsource that work to a consultant than to do it yourself when you're trying to do all the, all the other things in your organisation. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. 
This episode is brought to you by Tidio, the top-rated customer service platform on Shopify. Tidio enables you to manage all your communication channels in one dashboard, making it super easy for your support team to handle all customer inquiries. Tidio AI helps you automate more than 40% of support responses and increases your sales by recommending products and offering discounts to your website visitors. Increase customer satisfaction and sales with personalised shopping experiences. Visit ecmp.info forward slash Tidio, that's T-I-D-I-O, and start using Tidio now. Plus, get an exclusive discount for e-commerce masterplan podcast listeners by using the promo code masterplan. Do you, like me, have a bit of a software tools habit? Well, I love a good tool and the impact it can have on my business. For me, a good tool is one that solves a problem we have, that can save me and my team time, that improves performance and where the price is 100% worth it. That's why I've always got an eye on the latest tools to appear on AppSumo. Not heard of it? AppSumo is a site where you can buy key software tools for your business once and own them forever. For example, we use a tool I bought from AppSumo in 2020 for $49 to schedule all our Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook posts. In fact, whilst creating and promoting this very episode, me and the team will have used at least 10 tools I've bought from AppSumo. I'm a big fan. So go on, check out what's on offer right now by going to ecmp.info forward slash AppSumo. That's ecmp.info slash A-P-P-S-U-M-O. And I bet you'll find a brilliant solution for at least one of your problems. Go to ecmp.info forward slash AppSumo. It's time for the Top Tips Round. Okay, we're going to go into the top tips round. Those of you who are thinking, wow, I need to take this B Corp journey, make sure you listen through the top tips because Hannah's got a very interesting, very cool offer coming up for you a little later on in the show. But for now, we're going to do the top tips round, which I love because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So Hannah, are you ready for the top tips? I'm ready. Okay. The book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? So the minute I read, I read this question, I thought I've got a controversial answer here and Chloe might be annoyed to me because I'm not sticking to the rules. However, I'm going to go with it. And as someone that has a library card, one of the few people that I know, I feel like I'm still allowed to make this decision. So I would say don't read a book, get outside in nature. So a huge thing we're doing in our business this year is we're actually bringing nature to our board of directors, like Faith in Nature. I don't know if you've seen the amazing work they've been doing. So I would say get out in nature and remind yourself why you're wanting to create an incredible business. So people don't get out in nature enough. Get out and go for a walk and be in nature. That's what I want you to do on your Friday. A totally acceptable and awesome okay, answer. Great. So thank you for being controversial. Um, I can't wait to see what you're going to come up with the rest of them. Okay, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Mine is always the personal touch. So I keep it really simple. I'm very honest. Uh, what you'll read on my LinkedIn or what I would say on a podcast is what you would hear me say, you know, at a table to my friends. I think just being honest when you're, giving your opinions to others is really important. And I think that honesty will attract the business that you want. 
my marketing method, definitely for the summit, I'll give you that as an example, is our marketing method was reaching out to people we knew would benefit and enjoy the event and just saying to them, I'm sending you a personalised email here. I'm asking you to forward this email to five people you think this would be relevant for. It might have uh, taken a bit longer than perhaps doing some paid advertising or something like that. But it meant that we knew we were inviting people that were aligned with our values and they would invite people that were aligned with the same values too. So very simple ones, but yeah, just personalised emails and not, you know, spam emails, blanket emails, I think makes a huge difference. Nice. Loving that one. Uh, The tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Yes, I got a work phone in 2022 and it changed my life. So go on Music Magpie or any other secondhand phone site. Get yourself a secondhand phone. Get yourself an Honest Mobile SIM card. Uh, we, I have Honest Mobile, for, which is a B Corp uh, mobile phone company. And just have a separate number, especially in e-commerce. You are on all the time. And actually, and we are tied to our phones and our focus is stolen. I think it's really important to really put some boundaries in place. For me, I really needed a physical boundary of having a work phone and a personal phone. And that just means at the weekend, I can go out with my partner with my personal phone. And I know I'm not going to get distracted while he's talking or my friends are talking by work email or a Slack message or something like that. So clear boundaries on things like that, I found to be really helpful in my productivity and mindfulness. Uh, I could not agree with that one more. Um, How how anyone lives with work stuff on the same phone as their life phone is just beyond me. You have to have two handsets, people. It's the route to, for the first step on the route to mindfulness, I think. Honestly, and it's and it's not that expensive. You get a really cheap secondhand iPhone and, uh, you know, for the sake of the like 20 quid a month it costs me for my SIM, for my mental health difference, it's it's been incredible. So hugely something I'd recommend, especially if you do lots of social media marketing in your business as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do not install your work profiles on your personal phone because that is cheating if you get out of this That's route, That's cheating. <laughs> okay, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Mine would be just keep talking to and listening to your customers as much as you possibly can. They will become your brand advocates if you have a good relationship with them and you listen to them when they suggest you need to make changes. So for me, uh, with the Better Business Network that we're we're building our membership organisation, it's kind of similar orders, membership subscriptions, is we're constantly uh, adapting, a lit- like changing our focus. It, it, if something's not working, we're ready to change it and move it. And we're listening to our customers. So we're able to do that. And we're taking them on the journey with us. So we're making sure that when we are making changes to our service, we're explaining to our customers why we're doing that. And we're also asking our customers for their opinion. So it's just listen to the people who are already buying from you. They're the ones that will then continue to get people to be involved in your business because they'll be out there spreading the positive news for you making it much easier for you to do your job. Perfect advice. Thank you so much for those top tips, Hannah. Now, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media and tell us about the special offer you've got for the listeners too? Yes. So you will find me, uh, we've got YouTube channels for both Better Not Stop and the Better Business Network. But the place you'll find me most is on LinkedIn. So my LinkedIn profile is only Hannah Cox uh, and then Better Not Stop and the Better Business Network. You can just search for those on LinkedIn. 
LinkedIn and we're also on Twitter. We are not on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok because that is not where our customers are. And then the offer I would like to give you is we've created a self-study affordable course for people to take to become B Corp certified, which it also includes an hour consultation with me, which for B Corp month, we want to offer 50% off to everybody with the code masterplan. Woohoo! There we go, guys. If you want some more Hannah one-on-one and you want a guide to how to make that B Corp process as straightforward as possible for your business, then it's use the code masterplan to get half price off so thank you so much for the hannah that is just that is a crazy offer a crazy deal so thank you very much for doing that and thank you so much for being on the podcast today i think you've you've given us all a lot to think about but also saved us from thinking about a lot of things we didn't need to think about so it's been a win in my book so thank you so much for being here you're welcome and if anyone's got any other kind of questions for me they can just find me on linkedin find me a private message and i'll endeavor to help you brilliant thank you hannah So thank you to all of you who sent in your questions. I think we managed to cover all of them. I've just done a quick check. I think we covered all of your questions. Amazing answers there from Hannah. So much more to B Corp than I thought there was. And it strikes me that it really is set up to make it as useful a process as possible rather than just a logo you chuck on your website and with lots of good principles going on too. So Really interesting and a lovely offer from Hannah there as well. You can get your hands on the notes from today's show, including those stats she mentioned, the top tips and links to the other things we talked about by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or use our special short links, which are ecmp.info forward slash the number of this episode. And that will take you straight to the correct page. Once you get to the website... You can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business, like our mini series on the overstock problem. And if you liked this episode, then make sure you check out the rest of our B Corp series. Yes, throughout this month, we are doing B Corps. Um, You can scroll up right now to episodes 428 and 429, where I'm talking to two retailers, one who is and how the long-term benefits of that are being realised in their business and one who's about to be. And you can also head to ecmp.info forward slash B Corp to find all our B Corp content. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with your businesses, including progressing along the path to carbon net zero. So if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Podcast. I hope you have a great week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. It's time to get your free ticket to our brand new virtual event. This time, we're tackling the problem of overstocks, both how to avoid them and how to clear them. So take control of your stock to improve profits, cash flow and lower your carbon footprint. Just use our short link ecmp.info forward slash summit to get your free ticket.